0: Series on, on the book of Colossians, and so if you have your Bible, you might want to open up to Colossians chapter 2. That's where we're going to be camped out today, verses 6 through 15. So, just a few short verses, nine little verses there is where we're going to be focusing most of our attention and energy. Um, we've been looking the past couple weeks, you know, I'm trying to think of how to summarize the past couple of weeks. Um, Paul is connecting with a church that he, he's, he doesn't know a lot of these people personally. In fact, he's probably never been to the church in Colossa. He's probably never been to the city of Colossa before. Um, so he's writing to this new church. And so I think we can learn some stuff right off the bat because we're a new church. Uh, it's a small church. We're a small church. Um, there's a lot in here that actually we can kind of tune into and we can say, yeah, that's, that's speaking directly to me. It's amazing, he, he makes some connections right off the bat, uh, drops a couple name drops. Uh, Epiphras is this guy that comes out in chapter 1 who probably planted the church in Colossae and is probably now the pastor there. Epiphras is with Paul, well he's writing this. Um, Paul's in jail He's probably written a couple other letters at this same time, Philemon being a really important one to be reading as we're going through Colossians 2. Um, And he starts off, he kicks off by really, really taking us to the centrality of Jesus Christ. Who is this Jesus guy? And in chapter 1, verse 15 through 20, he drops a bomb on us. By articulating a super Christocentric message that Jesus is the fullness of God dwelling in Jesus, like Jesus is God, and and this would have been just this would have been wow for a lot of people. Um, Jesus is God. He's the Creator. He's the Redeemer. Um, everything that we need can be found in Christ. And then last week, we kind of talked about maturity. He was very concerned that the, the, Coloss- the church in Colossae was understanding how important this is to the point where Paul says, I'm even in, I'm in prison because of this. I'm suffering because of you guys in this. I care about you so much that I'm willing to die. For this message. Like it's that big of a deal to me. And he's like I want you to grow in this. I want you to mature in this. It's not about just come on. Come on down. Give your life to Jesus. And then we just wait the next 60 years of our life. Until we die and go to heaven. Which is kind of how Christianity's gotten twisted to be. Somehow. Especially in the West. Where it's not a relationship. It's just a ticket to heaven. You know what I'm saying, kind of? And, and Paul is saying, no, 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 no. There's some false teaching that's coming in. We've got to address this, and we've got to see how the answer is in Christ. Um, let me pray, and then I'm not going to even read the text because we're going to read through the text and kind of preach through the text. Last week was a two-point sermon, and it was like 30-some minutes. This week's a four-point sermon. It's a four-point, it's a four-point sermon. We could be here a while. No, I'll try to keep it a little shorter. All right, let's pray, and let's get into this. Lord, open up our hearts. Open up our hearts right now to to the work that you want to speak into us. I'm amazed that you are a God who works through speaking. You're a God who works through the word. And... I just pray, God, that you would work in such a, just unleash your power on us right now. Let there be a demonstration of power as you shape and change and grab a hold of our hearts. Do a work this morning, God, that only you can do. We know you're present. You say we're two or more gathered in your name. There you are too. You are here in this place. And so help us to have nothing. Help nothing to to overshadow that. Oh my gosh. God, we want to sit at your feet and listen to you now. And as you use me to be a mouthpiece for that, help me to simply go where you would have us go today. Please, Lord, do that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. These are the four points. God's continuing work, the enemy's attacks, our defense and the last laugh. Let's read the first couple verses here and and look at this uh, this first point, God's continuing work. Here it is verse six. Therefore that's a really key word. therefore the, in the Greek it's un, it's a conjunction. This is one of the reasons I like the ESV over some of the other translations that that sometimes kind of, smooth some of those transitions out because that word therefore is a key word that that shows us there's connection from today's message to to last week's message these messages don't just stand alone you see that therefore well that means pay attention to last week's stuff too the verses before it does that make sense Therefore, it's it's not just starting this new thought, okay, it's a new day, new sermon. No, no, it's it's flowing from. It's connected back to my message on verses 15 through 20 of of Christ, the centrality of Christ in this. Uh, It's flowing from his suffering. Paul's suffering on behalf of the church. It's flowing from his desire for them to grow in their faith. Therefore, okay, Therefore, as you received Christ, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. All right, let's talk about that for a second. God's continuing work. When I think of walking, and rooted, and established, and firm, In the faith, when I think of that, I think of Lord of the Rings tree beard. You remember tree beard from Lord of the Rings? Yeah, if you've watched Lord of the Rings. The big trees that move. That's what I think of when I think of rooted but walking. Stupid. Okay, fine. Nobody likes that one. That's fine. When you preach your sermons, you can... Do other illustrations. That's what jumped out at me first. I was like, all right, that's the first thing I thought. I think of tree beard. I think of of, of of being rooted. You know, what's what's firm, what's rooted, but then what's walking? This is what we're called to do. The walking here, so walk in him, that's an imperative. That's a command. Walk in him. But then I wonder, I just want to quick highlight this today. The words rooted, built up in, and established, those three verbs are participles that are in the passive voice. These are verbs that primarily are being done to the person. And so as I was just kind of reflecting on this, I'm thinking, man, isn't that true that so often when, at least when I hear those words, I think of What do I need to do? And yet they're in the passive voice, which means it's not primarily about what Seth has to do. It's primarily about what's being done to Seth passively. Rooted, maybe a better way to translate that would be something like being rooted. There's that participle feel to it. Being rooted, being built up in, Being established or firming up in me in the faith. Receiving, receiving, having God's word. Remember last week I ended the message with the idea of Christ, his word, and community. Do you remember that last week? I I kind of moved to more of a practical thought, a little bit of a practical thought of, Christ is central and his word continues to remind us of his centrality and the community of faith that we're in should be a community that's constantly reminding each other of his centrality. You see that? And so that's, that's really all the Christian life is. We're just constantly reminding each other of how big of a deal Jesus is in our lives. It's, it's, it's not that complicated actually. And it's, it's, it, that is actually what maturity looks like, is more of Christ, it's dying to self, and, and Christ, you know, Galatians 2.20, I shared that last week. I've been crucified with Christ, I don't even live anymore, Paul says, but Christ lives in me. And so, that maturity, that that. The word of God speaking to me. What's that all doing? That's firming me up. It's establishing me, receiving his body and blood. What is that doing? It's firming me up. But you might be like, well, I'm not doing anything. Yeah, you're not doing anything. You're just, eh. See? That's all you're doing. You just show up and you just, ah. Feed me. Feed me, God. See, I actually think, I mean, this is Jesus saying, unless you become like a little child. But for some reason, we get into our minds that maturity is knowing more stuff or more information. That stuff's not bad, but it's interesting because what they're facing here in this church is a, the, 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 the false teachers are coming and saying things like, you need to, you're missing something. You don't have all the information. Yes, it's Christ plus something else. More revelation, more knowledge. This is that kind of early Gnosticism that's infiltrating the church at this time. More is needed. Passively receiving, passively establishing our hearts through the word of God, through being part of a community that's reminding each other of the centrality of Christ. Christ is the initiator and he is the one we rely on all the way through. Beginning, remember what it says here. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, just like you did at the beginning, just like the beginning was, so is the middle, so is the end. Look at verse 8 through 10. We've got to keep moving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits, or the elemental principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, holy smokes, look at this, for in him the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. I mean, the whole fullness of God dwells in Christ. Christ is God. Jesus is God. He's the Son of God, yes. And he is God, Yes. For in him the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Here's, here's what I want to just share here: the attacks of the enemies. The, the church in Colossa is under attack by weird teachings. There's stuff, and I'm gonna be sharing some of this over the next couple of weeks. They're worship, they're 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 being told that they should worship angels. Um, they're being told that they don't have all the information. They need more revelation. They're being told there's secret wisdom that they need to glean and understand. And yes, Christ is nice, but there's also more. Um, there's, they're being fed all sorts of different weird teachings. And Paul is very concerned about the church in Colossae with these these teachings that are kind of floating around, coming out of Greek the Greek thinking at the time, as well as coming out of the, 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 the Judaizers at this time and what's being taught from them. And I was just thinking about this. I was thinking, what are the weird teachings we're being taught? What's the weird stuff that infiltrates? You ever been in a small group and just, you know, you just read a little Bible verse and you said, what do you think? And, and you then had somebody say what they think and you're like, well, what the mother is that? You ever have been a part of that, where you're like, "What? Well, that's nice, Billy Bob. Sit down. You know, just that's a nice thought, there, buddy. Or something. You know, I'm kidding. But you know, like, have you ever been a part of something like that? You ever been on YouTube lately? Hey, you ever go to YouTube and just type in like, you know, something Christian thoughts on this or something? There's some weird stuff out there. we our small group on Monday nights at meets are just a group of guys. Uh, one of the guys shot us a, a, a YouTube video recently, where a lady, a TikToker, was saying that uh, Roman society never existed. And you know, somebody like that is just a fruitcake, right? And everybody knows that. But this person's got like a million view, like million people watching this this stuff. So I mean, you could go as we, I'm just using that as like a crazy weirdo person. But just imagine, this morning actually, this morning in my preparation for the message, I just, I tried to think up a conspiracy. I tried to make one up in my mind. So that's all I did is I looked up, I Googled White House basement. What happens in the White, I don't know. I was trying to make something up. And it's amazing. There's stuff out there about what's going on in the White House basement, right? There's stuff out there. You can, you can find anything, so literally... I mean, you can go on YouTube and you can be taught all sorts of different things. And the question is, is what's what's our filter that we're running this through? Because I'm actually, I get a little concerned sometimes about some of you and the stuff you're allowing yourself to, to hear. Um, and it's not that your intentions are bad or anything like that. It's just there's... You're, you're, you're allowing some fruity kind of people speaking into your life. And we've got to be mindful of that is all I'm saying. Paul is very concerned about the fruity people that have kind of infiltrated the church and are kind of saying some stuff that they're just kind of, they're like, well, I had this experience with this angel, so you know maybe we worship this angel, or maybe we're supposed to do spiritual stuff. Like, And it can quickly get weird fast is all I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, what are those things, and what is our filter? I would go back to, I would go back to last week's message: Christ as central, Christ in the flesh. John actually talks about that. How we can discern some of these things is is when or, when a spirit says that um, if Jesus has come in the flesh, that's a that's a way to to discern some of that. But another way is the Word of God. So are we actually opening up his word? And then the other is, are we discerning that word in the context of community? Or are you just in your bedroom by yourself on YouTube listening? Does that make sense? Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference between me just on YouTube and me in a community that I say something and somebody's like, no, I don't think that's right, Seth. Actually, I think it's this. Okay, okay. And then as the church... We work together praying humbly. Spirit revealed to us what you know, this word and show us that. So I'm just, I'm just saying it because I know how prevalent the YouTube stuff is out there. And I, like I said, I'm a YouTuber. I listen to messages and stuff like that all the time. This past week, actually no, I think it was two weeks ago, I listened to a message on this text from a guy I trust uh, on a lot of things, although I know our theology is different on some stuff he's I'm not going to say his name, but a really conservative, very well known uh, uh, preacher that honestly he's he spun this text in my opinion in a, in a wrong way, specifically talking about baptism. I just disagree with him. And I agree with him on a lot of stuff, but I've got to have my discernment of i, I got to be discerning of 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 what God might be saying and how how it could be getting twisted even when it's not intentionally being done Uh, what are things that are taught today what are things that are weird thoughts well you know there's weird stuff like Rome didn't exist and we're all kind of like okay fruitcake what are some stuff that's a little more subtle what about like what about this one Jesus, see, this one, this one might catch some of us. Jesus is the Son of God, but he's not God. He's the Son of God, but he has been created. Now, there's denominations, I actually, I'd call them religions at a, at least the leader level, um, that believe that. Okay? They're, they come to your house. They'll, they'll talk about Jesus as the Son of God. Or what about Jesus is God in the sense that there's multiple gods? I mean, that's a billion Hindus. A billion Hindus don't mind calling Jesus God. There's no problem with calling Jesus God. Now, there's a bunch of other gods. Um, what are some other things? I mean, I'm just, I'm just giving you a second here to think about it. Jesus is a good teacher. Jesus is a prophet. Like, he's an incredibly important guy. There's like a billion, there's a billion Muslims that would say Jesus is super important. Jesus is absolutely high and lifted up and a prophet, and we need to listen to him and his words. Billions of people that have high respect for Jesus. What are those kinds of things that might be subtle, that kind of creep in? This is what's concerning to Paul. Paul is very concerned about this new church and, and what are they establishing themselves on? What's their rock? And of course, we know the answer is he's driving them back to Jesus. He's going to continue to drive back to Jesus and then he continues to highlight things like the word. And he continues to highlight things like the community of faith. And, and epiphras as, you know, and, and Paul's own words. And Paul, This is how he sets up the whole book of Colossians, right? He says, I'm not just a regular Joe Schmo. He, he starts off Colossians with Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. I got some stuff I want to say to you. And you got to listen. It's this important. You can't lose sight of Jesus through all of this, guys. I can still remember when I was a youth pastor at a church in Pennsylvania. Uh, The pastor there, an old guy who had planted the church, he's now with Jesus. Uh, I remember going out to to my last time that I was going to be with him. And I can't remember if he was smoking a cigarette at that time or drinking scotch, but he was a scotch drinker and a cigarette smoker. Pastor Art Cox, just a great guy. But, but I just remember him looking at me, and I can remember him saying, Seth, and this was one of the last times I was with him, Seth, don't forget the gospel. Don't forget the gospel. I remember him saying that to me. And that was kind of one of the last things I ever heard from him. Don't forget the gospel. And he was just, he was just reminding me, don't forget the most important things. You know, you get a little wacky on some stuff and stuff, okay, fine. You'll probably, you know, he knew my personality. He's like, you're going to say some stuff and do some stuff that are stupid and you're going to make plenty of mistakes. Don't forget the gospel though. And that's all Paul's trying to do here is with this young church, he's trying to say, don't lose sight of the, the most basic of things. Look at verses 11 through 14. What are some of these attacks that the enemy might give to us? Um, And then how are we to respond? This is that defense, our defense. In him, in Christ also, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. What's our defense when the enemy attacks us? What's our defense? You know, have you been watching this stuff with Ukraine? You know, the Ukraine and Russia and stuff like that. I get a kick out of it a little bit in that nobody is giving Ukraine a chance. Everybody's like, if Russia attacks, I just saw one of our generals the other day was like, if Russia attacks, 72 hours, it's over. I was like, I feel like I'd be a little annoyed if I was part of the Ukraine military. I don't know why, I just, really? That's all we got is 72 hours? I was just thinking about that. I was like, nobody's giving Ukraine a chance. Everybody's like, they're just going to be wiped out. They don't have a good enough defense. And I was thinking a little bit about that with our life. I think some of us are walking through life kind of thinking like, okay, I've been under some attack, but if I were to really be under attack, I could not, I wouldn't be able to hold up. I don't have a strong enough defense. I I don't have what I would need. Today, I want to change that. I want to change your mentality on that a little bit. Because if we go through life thinking, oh, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I'd be able to withstand an attack. Holy smokes. What's your defense? What is your defense? What's our defense? When the enemy attacks, when the enemy brings to us a word of of confusion, What's our defense when the the enemy brings to us a word like, I think think an attack on many of your lives, honestly, and maybe I'm reading this wrong, but I think an attack on a lot of y'all's lives is an attack where the enemy is saying, you're missing something. You don't have it all. You need more. You're just shy of where you really should be if you only did a little more. And I think the enemy slides that. Now, I'm not saying that he, God might be working to push you to take a step or to challenge you to do something. That's fine. But when we hear a word from the enemy like, um, faith in Christ isn't enough. What do we do with that? Because if I were to ask you guys right now, like, do you believe in Jesus? Some of you would be like, yep. Some of you would be like, nope. And those would be fair answers. And then some of you, and I think a lot of you might be like, I don't know. I don't know where I'm at. Okay. Okay. What's our defense? What fascinates me about this is this. Paul brings up baptism. And it's a baptism, it's a baptism of, it's, it's a new circumcision. We won't be showing any images or anything today, but it's a new circumcision, a circumcision of the heart, a cutting of the heart. See, what, what he talks about here is he's saying, What Christ did on the cross, when he went to the cross and he died, okay? when Jesus died on the cross for the sins of mankind and when he rose from the dead, how are we brought into contact with that? With that reality of what God has done? How does that get over to a person? And what he's saying here is he's saying, as we go into baptism, we're baptized into his burial. And so when we, when we had baptism happen, we were connected to, I, I don't know how else to say it. I've been thinking a lot about this moment all week. Baptism is God connecting you to what he did on the cross. What he did in the grave and in the empty tomb, his his work and activity of salvation, the gospel, baptism is one of these spots where God connects us to that, to that reality, to that moment. And so all I would ask you today is something like, do you believe that God has given to you the gospel, his His?" His, what he has done in salvation, do you believe that that's come to you in your baptism? I don't know how else to read this. I get, because this was the commentator this past week that I disagreed with, you could just spiritualize it, which then means, which this person does too, you have to spiritualize every mention of baptism throughout the Bible. It's just an it's just a, a, a spiritual thing and not connected at all to our physical baptisms. I don't read it like that because I think this is one of the ways of translation that are just interpretation. If you have to work harder to move towards translation, you're probably not doing it right. What's the plain reading of the text? To me, I look at it and I'm like, when I went into the waters of baptism, I was connected to the work and activity of Christ passively, look at this, passively receiving his work and activity and now I either believe that to be true or not and my defense of the enemy's attacks is daily waking up and saying, I believe in God's activity and his work or I don't. And That's it. You believe that or not, And what's so cool about it is it's this incredible gift that God's given to us where we're able to look to our baptism and say, well, I was baptized. Then do I believe in his work on the cross or not? He he did the connecting to me. I didn't do the connecting. He did the connecting. And it's it's a circumcision of the heart. And so you're cut, you're marked. And so what you get to do is you actually get to put back in the enemy's face. You get to say, I know what you're saying to me. I know you're saying I'm fat. I know you're saying I'm ugly. I know you're saying I'm not beautiful. I know you're saying I'm not saved. I know you're saying all these things about me. But here's what God says about me. Here's what he has done for me. And it's connected to a a physical reality, which is exactly how God works. God works through means he works through the tangible to come. He's working through it even now, the tangible, audible voices, the voice that we hear, his word. This, he doesn't just work floaty. If God wants to do that, if God wants to work where and what, you know, John 3 says, uh, Jesus says, the spirit will work wherever the heck he wants to work. Fair enough. If the spirit wants to work outside of the word or something like that, fine. But typically, He's working through the word, through promise. Where's he promised to be? This is why when you come up to receive the body and the blood of Jesus, I would encourage you to believe it. (laughs) Because it's like, well, if I don't believe it, then it's not going to be beneficial for you. It doesn't change the reality of it. It's still real. Just like Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the tomb, it's real for people who believe and don't believe. But for those who come up and receive it by faith, it becomes beneficial to you. Your baptism becomes beneficial to you when it's believed. If You don't believe it. You know, I catch so much flack sometimes uh, down here about, you know... um, uh, baptism, especially, but, but, uh, you know, somebody will say, like, oh, if somebody's been baptized, they're just saved, and they're just, oh, I'd, I'd say, do they believe it? They believe in Jesus? If they've rejected that, if they've rejected that gift, then that's problematic. For it is by grace you are saved through faith. Now, somebody might start saying, which we're not going to get into. I could see a small group getting here talking. Where does faith come from? Well, go look at Ephesians. Where does faith come from? Faith comes from faith itself. We interpret faith as a gift. Faith doesn't come up because you conjure it up. Faith is a gift that's given. For it is by grace you are saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. It is the gift of God. So even faith is worked in your heart to hold on to the promises that God gives to you. So, okay, that's just my quick kind of like, I digress. Now let me say this. What's our defense when the enemy attacks? My defense is, I'm a child of God. I haven't done jack about it, but God has laid claim to me. I'm cut, I'm marked, I'm marked, right? I mean, Ephesians would say something like, I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit, I'm marked, and so you can kill me, you can torture me, you can do a whole lot of stuff to me, but you can't change that. That just, that's a reality that God has given to me, and I hold on to it and believe it to be true. So every single day, what do I wake up and do? I wake up and I remember I've been baptized, and I get through that baptism, I receive all the gifts and workings of God. I received that, I've been baptized, I'm a child of God. And then that night when I go to bed, I remind myself, I'm a baptized child of God. And then the next morning I wake up, I'm a baptized child of God. I'm a baptized, and I just keep walking that baby out. I just keep walking that out. And what I'm doing is I'm actually walking out the Ents people, the the, the tree beard, I walk out firm in my faith, being built up. Being strengthened, that's that. Uh, see, I love this idea. Maybe I just need to preach it sometime. The now not yetness of the Christian walk. We have everything now, and, and yet there's a not yetness. It's, there is a, we look to Christ's return. Yeah, I, I just need to teach that one another time. Ukraine's army, yeah, they'd probably go in 72 hours. The enemy attacking, the one who believes that they have Christ dwelling inside of them, holy smoking, you got atomic bombs like crazy inside of you. You know what I'm saying? That's our defense. A lot of the Christian life, honestly, this is a whole nother sermon, a lot of the Christian life is actually on the defense And I know I could catch a little bit of flack for that in here, but but look at the armor of God. Even the sword of the spirit, which is oftentimes thought of as a very offensive weapon, the the translation on that is probably actually more of a dagger-like sword. And even that's, it, it can be offensively used, and the word of God is offensively used. But the word of God, there's a lot of defense in our life through this, in this life. And I know that, 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 especially I look at some of you guys, because we're like, let's go take the hill. You know what I mean? I'm like, strap on my gun, let's go take it. There's a lot of defense in the Christian life. There's a lot of reminding ourselves who we are. There's a lot of just kind of trudging along. It doesn't look super sexy, doesn't look super fast, doesn't look, it's just kind of trudging on. Under attack, suffering, carrying the, the uh, taking up our crosses, that Christ, you know, take up your cross and follow me. Um, re- being relationally, simply. Don't forget the gospel, Art Cox would say. Don't forget the gospel. Um, so what is our response? Our response then is one of thanksgiving. Actually, that, did you see that back in uh, verse 10-ish, 7. I never commented on that. But remember I, I said that those participles are all in the passive. The verb at the end there is in the active where he says abound, abounding in thanksgiving. That's in the active voice. That is something we do. Give thanks. That's our response. Thanksgiving. You just thank God for his provision and care for you. Um, And then the last thing here I want to just look at is verse 15. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Um, The last laugh is kind of how I I articulated this. I see this as connected to the baptism conversation. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. That word disarmed can be two can mean two things. It can mean disarmed, or it can also mean stripped bare and almost paraded like the Romans when they would conquer a people. They would strip people down and they would have them parade through towns and basically make you know make them feel ashamed and foolish. So I like to think, and this is the image I'm gonna to try to put in your head. Have you ever been pantsed? You ever been pantsed? I remember where I was when I was pantsed once. And um, I can remember right where I was. I was in this, uh, the parking lot of a, a, um, uh, where you wash your clothes, laundromat, where we used to do our clothes all the time. And that laundromat, and a friend of mine totally pantsed me. And, um, I remember that's an embarrassing feeling, and you're trying to get your pants up as fast as you can after that happens. Some of you know you've been there; it's not fun. My dad has one where he was—he went up to play volleyball. He went up and uh, somebody pantsed him once. That's quite the story too. But being pantsed is no fun, and that's why I think this interpretation—that's where I've taken it—is he's he's disclothed. He's he's pantsed the devil. That's where I go into in my brain. He's pants the devil. He's made a fool of him. And the enemy, listen, what a a fantastic way to think about going through life. The enemy attacking, and yes, the enemy is more powerful than you on your own. He is. And if it wasn't for Christ, if it wasn't for, for his work and his activity in your life, you would be toast. Yes, yes, yes. The enemy is more powerful than you on your own. But with Christ, with Christ and his backing and his dwelling inside of us, the work at the cross, the work in the empty tomb, the work that's been done for you is Jesus, boom, pants in the devil. That's for you kids. And some of you immature adults. It is a pants of the devil. And, and now the enemy, still powerful, still with a certain authority that the Lord has enabled him with, uh, wrecks havoc in this world and attacks you. And some of you are feeling those attacks today, and I know that. But you can look at those demons. You can look at that devil, and you can imagine the pants at the ankles. And make fun of, and 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 um, and laugh at in Jesus' name. The the work and activity of Christ on your behalf against those enemies, and um, we have the last laugh in that sense. And I mean, look at that—he disarmed the rulers and authorities. He's taken away um, the the kind of power that is, had, had, was theirs, and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. We know how the story ends, y'all. We know how the story ends, and we know that already, um, you know, I love that song. What is that song? Uh, it's just a phrase right now in my mind. It's talking about the enemy. One little word can fell him. What is that? I don't know. Mighty Fortress, maybe. Thanks, that might be it. One little word can fell him. Yeah, that's it. Mighty Fortress. There it is. I love that. One little word can fell him. When you're feeling the attacks by the enemy, what's that one little word you bring? Jesus in me who's defeated you and has you pantsed. That's your defense. That's your defense. What a gift. What a gift. If you're a follower of Jesus today, if you trust in him, whoa, one little word can fell him. If you today are not a Christian and you feel like the Ukraine army or you feel like uh, you're not connected to something, then look at this text. And I'd encourage you to, I'd encourage you to trust in God and allow the the connector of well, I'll just say what I, I mean to allow the connector of baptism, at least from this text, to be that which will connect you to his death and his resurrection. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this incredible word. Um that reminds us that, I guess that just reminds us of your activity, your work in our life. And God, it's just fun. I, I just love it when I get to go through a message like this where it's just walking through the text. And it's just saying what you say. Um, God, I pray that you'd be speaking to all of our hearts today. Thank you for that reminder that in our baptism... We have been connected to you, to your death, to your resurrection, to your sufferings, yes, but also to your to glory. Thank you for that reminder that you have disarmed the spiritual forces of evil and authorities in this world. Jesus, you are king. You have all the authority. You sit at the right hand of the Father and rule and reign. Jesus, we're reminded today of the, the attacks by the enemy to bring weird teachings into our hearts and into our minds, especially through weird places. Lord, help us to help us to pull away from some of the weird stuff we see sometimes and move into places where you're actually promising to be community with your word. Help us to look at it, study it, pick it up, read it. Help us to get plugged into places where there's a fellowship of the saints so that we can be working through some of these things together, challenging each other, working with each other. Um, and then that last point of just, Lord, passive, that we'd be passively be establishing our hearts. Thank you, God, that you promised to do that work in us that you're not going to let us, you're not going to leave us by ourselves to try to accomplish this stuff. Thank you that you are at the beginning, you're at the middle of it all, and you're at the end of it all. And you are central. In Jesus' name, amen.